Terry Spar. You're listening to The Jam Price Show, and today my guest is executive producer Terry Spar, and we're going to be talking about his brand new documentary, Eight Billion Angels. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thanks, Jan. It's, I can't wait to talk to you about this film. It's a very interesting film. Uh, first, just so our audience knows a little bit, because it is a controversial sub- subject, um, and I, I, I kind of think, I mean, yeah, we'll get into why it is controversial, but uh, let's have our listening audience know, so they know a little bit about what we're talking about. Can you give us a brief, brief synopsis of what the documentary is all about? Uh, I'll give you a super brief synopsis. Uh, the, the film essentially exposes the viewer to the fact that uh, our world's, you know, water, food, you know, pollution, energy, climate, and extinction emergencies are uh, a consequence of our unsustainable population growth. That's sort of a, a, a very short synopsis. And a good one. <laughs> There's so much to talk about. First of all, this is a beautifully uh, photographed uh, film, cinematography. The way it's laid out is so um, perfect and right on. I mean, I loved how you, you know, you just each thing, you know, starting with the ocean and why we should be concerned about that and, and just going, you know, land and just going through all of it. I have to tell you, when I was watching it, I was going, oh my God, it just feels like all of these issues are so insurmountable. And how do we solve the the problems that are going on with, um, climate change, but everything that's going on in our world and our, on our planet. And if we continue to do what we're doing now and don't make the changes, I, I just don't see how the planet will be able to survive. Um, and that's kind of the first when I'm watching this film thinking that. And then I love, you know, obviously you give solutions at the end of this film. Um, in the process of making this film, um, how did you choose the experts that you interviewed and 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 how did you d- decide how you were going to plot this film out uh that's a, a wonderful question because it's such a, a massive uh and complex and uh, interconnected systemic uh, uh problem that we face globally and it's just a uh, not an easy subject to distill down into an hour, hour plus of a, of a, of a, of a film and to make it make sense and also make it compelling. Uh, so um, I, I've spent probably 10 uh, years, uh, the last 10 years, you know, researching, reading, uh, watching uh, anything and everything that deals with the ecology or environment, uh, environmental science. Um, and I, what I began to formulate about four years ago in, in the production of the film was, uh, you know, uh, people who have been interviewed by other uh, authors and or, uh, uh, you know, a subject uh, I thought were interesting. Like the, uh, the uh, there's a book called The uh, Sixth Extinction, and it was by Elizabeth Colbert. And in there, she talks about the acidification of our oceans and that she went diving with this marine biologist over in Italy. And so I, I uh, emailed and connected with the marine biologist. He said, you have to come to Japan because we have a, a conclave of scientists from around the world. They're gathering this week that we're going to be that, you know, we want you to come there to film what we're doing because this is an existential crisis that's happening to the oceans, you know, let alone all the other, uh, you know, uh, pressures that are on the ocean from just you know, our human impact of overfishing them. And, and uh, so it, it, I guess those, those are some of the ways that we found them as a lot of it's through just periodicals and reading and, and following up and, uh, you know, and, and establishing sort of the, the, the general 
framework of the film, which was to help people understand this is not just a symptom of climate change, there are multiple symptoms. So uh, we tried to address a number of those symptoms, then bring it together, as you said, with solutions. Well, it's really, it's really well done and really well shot. Um, I mean, as they say, you know, if the oceans go, we go. I mean, there's just, I live on the Pacific Ocean. I can see it from right now. If, if it wasn't foggy, I could see it. <laughs> but, uh, and I know that, you know, I mean, again, you see so many different films out there about the crisis that's going on with our oceans, with the plastic that's in the oceans and, and uh, the coral reefs going. And, Yet, I just, I don't know, hopefully we can stop it before it gets to even more of a crisis um, situation than it, than it is now. I mean, he, we're recording this show today on Earth Day, the 51st anniversary of Earth Day. And he, what have we learned in a quarter of a century? It, it just sort of frustrates uh, me when I think about, you know, this is here we are a quarter of a century later. And, and how much have we really changed and grown in those 50 years? Um, did, you, did you get a sense of that? Did, have we made some progress? I mean, how much progress do you think we've made? Or are we, are we continuing to make it worse as human beings on the planet? You know, I think that these uh, problems, Jan, have, have sort of, uh, uh, I guess, evolved or uh, grown gradually, um, probably since the sort of the dawn of the, the uh, Industrial Revolution. It's where you know, uh, we discovered immense amounts of energy, as you know, as far as fossil energy. And it has allowed us as a society to explode across the globe to, you know, basically deliver food and water uh, anywhere and uh, to deter almost any disease through the medicines that we've been able to, you know, ingeniously create to, to you know, ex- extend our lives and to uh, deter these diseases that uh, come our way, like like COVID, for example. And uh, as a result, we've essentially exploded across the globe, and it's causing you know a, a collective impact that is just you know dramatic. And it's 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 developed over that period of time, 150 plus years. And it'll take time to heal. You know, uh, we have to start to change that trajectory. And that's uh, what this uh, film is really about. It's discussing the, the conversation of uh, the unsustainability of it and to address both, you know, consumption is a concern, but it's very difficult to reduce that consumption. No one really wants to. And the film talks about that. So we have to also, you know, put out on the table now and we're at, you know, an emergency level, I think, as far as having this conversation, as far as you know, trying to address our numbers. And it's an important uh, aspect to discuss. And it's not an easy one because it, it comes with a lot of um, uh, emotional, uh, uh, you know, um, let's just say minefields, you know, from political issues to religious to cultural to uh, economic. And they're all very valid concerns. But uh, we do need to, you know, forthrightly and honestly approach this uh, subject. You know, I couldn't agree with the concept of, 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 Controlling our population. I mean, that is something that I have been talking about for years and years and years and years, too. That You know, it, there's just too many people on this planet and how we're we going to continue to sustain it. And yet, you know, I, everybody I know who's, you know, having children, it seems like three children's the magical number nowadays. You know, almost every family I'm aware of has three children. I mean, and again, how are we, and this is, you know, we're in America, so we don't really think about what's going on in the rest of the world as much. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, because we know we, we have clean water in most places and we know we, you know, clean, you know, we can get clean air in most places and whatnot. Um, and yet, you know, it's, 
it's that's when we, you know, we're putting our head in the sand and we're not paying attention to what's going on in the rest of the world because the rest of the world affects us as much as, you know, more than we think, let's put it that way, much more than we think. So in, in addressing, I mean, because it really is a very controversial topic to talk about controlling the population. So in doing that, how how is how do you, I mean, I know one of the things that you talk about in the film, and I highly agree, is educating women. Um, and let's, why don't you talk a little bit further about why that's so important and then how and then the second part of the question is how can we have this conversation how can we get the word out and and talk more about controlling our population you know it's interesting i think the the term uh control uh with regard to population is not a really favorable uh i guess a, a term that a lot of people like to use because it does uh you know conjure up or or, or convey that uh your, your reproductive autonomy is, is um, at stake. And um, so I think a lot of these uh, organizations have shied away from either calling it that or even addressing it. And, you know, what's interesting is it's, it's, it's amazing that when you, and this is what the film talks about, is uh, when you uh, have intentional campaigns and intentional cultures that uh, address, uh, you know, enabling and empowering uh, women to make their own decisions uh, to gain reproductive autonomy you know, get an education and, and improve their, you know, health and living conditions for themselves and for their families, um, you know, uh, it, it actually behooves and benefits the environment because uh, when, when women are educated, when they're empowered, uh, and when they have that reproductive autonomy, they tend to space their children more, they tend to have fewer children, they tend to have them later in life. And it's a, it's a win-win-win. It's a win for, you know, women's health and reproductive rights. It's a, a win for the environment. And it's uh, just a win for, you know, sustainability and, and better lives for both human human beings and for the animal world. Uh, so I, I think uh, that that's the way we look at it. And that's the way that uh, a lot of governments have done it. There's, there's obviously the, the negative history of, of, of population, you know, control, as you said, Jan, which was, uh, uh, you know, the famous one is obviously China. And uh, India had a sterilization program for sterilization. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's pretty well uh, known that uh, there are so many really good countries now that have very good population policies that are all in a human rights context, all voluntary, and it's doing uh, incredible good for both people and planet. And how do you, how did it work in China? I mean, did that did it really help? Because they, what is it a one child um, mandate that they have in in China? Is, is that still the case, or have they have they relaxed, um, they, that they, a they've bit? relaxed it? Yes. Yeah, I thought they had but, relaxed it. What, what I have read is that uh, they, they estimate that there may be, you know, upwards of almost a half billion fewer people in China uh, today because of that policy. But, you know, I've also read that uh, in many cases, uh, it, it, they could have done that just through what we were, dis- what I was discussing, which is all in a voluntary way, all with human rights, all with just education and healthcare and providing access to uh, modern day, you know, modern day contraception. And uh, we've seen that in many countries. And then we even showed, as you saw, a number of examples that experts talked about in the film, like Iran and Ethiopia and, uh, and the region and uh, state in, in India called Kerala. Uh, all great examples of you know, high human development indicators and you know, changing infertility uh, uh, just from you know, providing those you know, types of social, social justice uh, uh, and health justice uh, uh, expectations. It's interesting that so many countries, I mean, again, it goes, you know, the 
the big major point of this is the educating women. And so many countries have been so against educating women. And that yet, if you educate, you know, a woman, you're educating a family and, you know, and then it spreads out and into the community and how important this is. And so enlarging that, I mean, I'm still, I'm still sure that there are communities and places throughout the world that still don't believe in educating women as much as they should be. Um, And I found that interesting that that has changed things by educating these women and, and women and also learning more about family planning and reproductive, you know, the reproduction um, rights. It's also, you know, it's the poorer countries that seem to have more children. Why do you think that is? Is It's just that they're just not aware um, as much? I think it it comes down to when you find uh, um, countries that prioritize education and they prioritize health care, you know, again, girls and young girls, uh, they don't get married at 15 or 16 uh, they are much more uh, financially independent when they're educated. Uh, they uh, are in the workforce. They delay marriage. They delay uh, having children, and uh, they're in control of their reproductive uh, capabilities. So uh, they tend to have fewer children, and, and you see that in the developed world. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of those uh, that framework or those uh, those even some would say rights don't exist in a lot of these uh, you know developing countries, but. There are a lot of countries that are improving, and uh, they are trying to prioritize this because they do see the human health need, and they also see the environmental challenges that their countries are facing with uh, uncontrolled and and unsustainable population growth. You know, it's interesting. Last year, I did an interview with a filmmaker, another documentary, and it was about um, women choosing not to have children. And that's kind of a controversial thing too, because and you you touch on it briefly in the film, uh, in your film, you know about you know as soon as you get married or if you hit your thirties, it's all of a sudden you know oh don't you want to have children and and you know why is it we feel this need that we must have children, but that we must reproduce. And some of my friends who have been, who did not have children, mostly because they perhaps could not have children. I'm not sure it was a conscious decision at that point, but they have the longest, strongest marriages too, I have found, than the ones who had lots of children. (laughs) (laughs) Children are a stressor, Jan. Yes, they are. (laughs) We love them, but they certainly wear us down. Yes, they do. Um, They age people. But I think that it is interesting uh, um, uh, when when um, faced with those choices, especially today. We have a bioethicist that you saw in the film who talks about the morality of you know knowing about the issues with climate change, knowing about the trajectory that we're on, uh, uh, you know, ecologically, uh, which is not a good trajectory for the planet currently. Uh, there are a lot of younger people who are choosing to uh, have a smaller family or have no children. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a, once you know what's happening uh, with, the, with the planet, uh, as the bioethicist said, uh, you know, from a moral perspective, you know, do you want to impose that, this planet on a child? And uh, alternately, do you want to impose uh, a child on this planet? Because a, a child certainly born in a developed world like the, the United States is a, a far, far bigger consumer and polluter than a child that's born in a you know, developing world uh, economy. Well, it, you know, again, I, it is interesting. I mean, I think about 
my friends who are having babies now, you know, and have young children, I'm thinking, I, I would not want to be raising a child in this environment. I, I don't know what we're leaving for them. I really, you know, I'm only, I can only hope that we're going to be leaving things better or, or that these um, young people that are being born now can help and continue with the solutions that we need to, to continue to save this planet. I mean, I, and thank goodness we have a president that is, um, who understands this, you know, understands these issues and, um, and certainly is, is putting forth a more progressive agenda uh, on climate change and, and, uh, and all the things we need to do. It's not just that. It's, that's one part of it. It's many things. One of the things that, you know, yeah. there, there's so many things in, in, in your film, um, but, um, and I've seen a lot. I just had, just did an interview recently, another documentary. It was about Antarctica and what's going on up there. Um, but your film doesn't touch Antarctica, but you touch on so many other things. What was the, for you, the, was there something in this when you were filming this movie that was just eye-opening that you had no idea that just kind of just, you know, rocked you because you just learned something new that you had no idea about? Well, I, you know, I, I came to the film with a, a deep concern for the natural world. And, uh, I, you know, so that, that was my, 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 uh, uh, you know, I guess my approach to the film was, uh, you know, I was, I was raised in, uh, by a, a father who really loved nature and we spent a lot of time in it. And what I found, which was astonishing when we were making this film was, um, the, uh, human impact uh, from uh, unsustainable population growth, the, the human health uh, challenges from, you know, people who were or are dying uh, daily from, you know, water pollution or from, uh, you know, that's caused by, you know, uh, that causes gastrointestinal diseases and uh, you know, air pollution, as you saw with India and, and the, the thousands of people who are dying over there because of air pollution that uh, from just so many people, you know, burning, uh, you know, uh, wood to, to, to keep warm or to, to make some, uh, you know, a meal. And, uh, you know, you see it with the agricultural system where we are just stripping it of its nutrition, all the, all the soils there and their fertility are, are, are essentially wiped out. And that, you know, uh, comes downstream to what we eat. And we're you know, not eating the most nutritious uh, plant materials anymore because it's been just, uh, you, know, uh, you know, gone. It's been, you know, it's disappeared. And, uh, I look at what's happening with the fishing practices and we've essentially denuded the oceans of all fish and 90% of fish are either overfished in capacity you know, or fished to capacity or, or those fisheries are an out, outright collapse. So it's, it's a, and there are people who depend on that for their nutrition and billions of people on a daily basis. And these are people who, you know, that's their only source of nutrition. So, and I see like, for example, in high housing costs where, you know, the, some, especially in, in this country, some areas like even California, where, you know, the cost of housing becomes so great that, you know, people have to sacrifice in other parts of their, you know, their uh, uh, incomes. Uh, then it may be that they have a, a, a lesser uh, nutritious diet because they want to keep a roof over their head. So it, uh, the human health cost to me was a, a, a dramatic uh, uh, revelation. Yes. Yeah. I, it, it's interesting. I was, I'm, I've been a pescatarian most of my life, uh, slash sometimes vegan, vegetarian, you know, and when I watched this, I went, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't be eating fish anymore. Uh, maybe I have to, you know, take that out of my diet. Not that I eat uh, an abundance of it, but it was just eye-opening. You know, I was like, well, I'm one of those consumers who is, you know, eating the fish and that's why we, you know, 
they're making money from it. That's the other thing. I'm, and on a, on a side note, you may want to uh, uh, review uh, Seaspiracy. I just watched that documentary. It's a it's a very good documentary on what we're doing to the oceans as far as overfishing them. Oh, okay. I will I will definitely look into that Seaspiracy. All yeah. right, I definitely will. One of the uh, I love how you opened the film with Jane Goodall and this quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Um, this planet can provide for humans' needs, but not human greed. And I thought that was, I had to stop the film and write that quote down because it was so appropriate. Um, you know, how did you get Jane Goodall involved in this film? Um, that was a, 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 a significant uh, task to get that. Um, it was actually a pre-recorded, uh, um, I guess, a uh, Thing that she did for another film that was not, I don't think it was used in the other film, but I had seen it and uh, I thought it was a wonderful introduction to the film, which she says, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it sort of, uh, you know, established the film and, and did it in a way that was thoughtful and, and kind and, and with reverence for human life and uh, the animal world at the same time. So uh, I uh, tried to get it through her foundation, a uh, contact with her was very difficult. And then she came to Philadelphia where I'm from and spoke at the art museum. And I, uh, came up and introduced myself to her and told her I was doing this film and I really wanted to use that uh, 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 you know piece of, of of the film that she had done there and and she had the rights and uh, we were able to get the rights to do that she gave us permission. No, it's a beautiful way to open the film. It truly is, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, what was what was the most difficult part for you? I mean, you know, I, I mean, I, watching it. I mean, for me, one of the <laughs> most difficult parts was India. But you know, for you and filming it, what was what was the most difficult part? Oh, it, it's a, it's an interesting road, uh, Jan. And I don't. I'm sure for every filmmaker, it's different. I. I I don't know if there was one really overwhelming uh, struggle we had, uh, but uh, there, there are struggles every day when you are you know, uh, trying to uh, reach your goals and uh, you just have to persevere and, and, and move ahead, whether it's, you know, financing the, the film or whether it's, you know, getting the appropriate permits or, uh, or getting the right shots or, uh, you know, or the editing, which is obviously a major uh, task. It's, it's, there are hurdles all along the way and, and obstacles and, uh, the key thing is just to press on. And, and I, I think if you're persistent and determined and work really hard, uh, you can create, you know, a, a really, uh, you know, good outcome. Well, and that, I think uh, the film, film the, is like that. That's, that's the uh, advice, good advice for every, <laughs> every endeavor. In life, yes. <laughs> Not just filmmaking. <laughs> just filmmaking. Exactly. Good advice right there. Did you have, um, how long did it take you to film this? Uh, it was pretty quick for, for documentaries. I think we did it in about a total of three years from conception to, uh, you know, final, final edit and final production. Uh, we were supposed to a year ago, um, release the film. We had it all set for theaters, a theatrical release in North America. And that was back in May of last year and, you know, COVID struck. So, uh, we had to, uh, uh, postpone it, uh, sit on the sidelines, look at the landscape and see how it developed and, so we just uh, released it. Uh, we started. We actually released it theatrically tomorrow, Friday, April twenty third. I'm not sure when you're going to produce this film, uh, this podcast, or this radio show. Uh, but uh, we had our world premiere this past Tuesday on April twentieth. Uh, so it'll be in theaters for a few weeks, virtually. So you can go to any theater essentially and support those theaters, which I like and that I think is important. 
Yes, definitely. I think I, I always say we should watch movies in the movie theater. And now that they're beginning to open, we, we can. Um, let's talk a little bit about the title, Eight Billion Angels. How did you come up with that title? We only have like um, a minute or so. Yeah, that's fine. The, 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 you know, the inspiration uh, is sort of twofold. Uh, you know, I think you know, we as humans have an enormous capacity for you know, care uh, compassion, decency, and love, you know, what I would term, uh, the better angels of our nature, Jan, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, uh, you know, as our numbers, uh, quickly approach 8 billion, you know, our, our collective actions, uh, no matter, you know, how good or, or benign are having, you know, massive and, and largely unintentional, co- uh, you know, catastrophic consequences for us and, and every living creature. And, you know, we, we must find the, the moral courage to address this and uh, address it thoughtfully and, with compassion and with care. Yes, we do. Well, oh, everybody, I think um, by the, this will be out on um, VOD platforms, won't it? Coming up. Yes, it will. We're, we're hoping probably by the summer it'll be out on a yeah T T T VOD transactional. Yes. Great. Well, everyone, seek out Eight Billion Angels. I highly recommend it. It's it's well worth your time. It's beautifully done and and eye opening and uh, inspiring. So thank you, Terry. I appreciate you being on the show. It's been a pleasure having you here, and I wish you much success with the film. Uh, you're, you're a lovely interviewer. Thank you. Thank you. You can listen to The Jan Price Show whenever and wherever. If you've missed any of our shows, they are all archived on thejampriceshow.com and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, the iHeart Podcast Network, Spotify, Google Play, etc. We're everywhere. And also you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Jam Price Show. Thank you for listening.